We've made it through the elements. We're here in studio a day later, but uh, safe and uh, in one piece. Chris Presley, Kevin Bowen back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. Uh, Chris has gutted it through a, an alleyway, uh, lots of snow. I did it a little bit like late Monday night, early Tuesday morning, kind of like I'm like, what the hell am I doing sort yeah. of thing. Like, is my job this important? <laughs> Probably not. But uh, here we are. We're back Wednesday morning. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Yeah, like you said, feel bad for the listeners. Sorry it's a day late. You were Superman yesterday. You got in early because you're co-hosting the fan show all week. Right. Um, Our early morning show, yeah. Yeah, so you were already here. I went out to, to shovel, and it was going to take about two to three hours and helped a lot of cars spinning on, on, on my street yesterday, doing a lot of rocking and pushing. Uh, it's a mess out there, but the main streets are, are good, so thankful for that and think about everybody around the country right yeah. now i mean this is hitting every part of us it was funny i uh watched the pacers game on monday night which was that'll make your eyes bleed watching <laughs> the miss bunnies there yeah. and i look outside and i'm like you know what all right uh i've got to be up at i don't know 3 4 a.m to go down and potentially brave the elements to drive in in the morning i'm like let's go shovel right now so i'm out there 9 45 and i decide then you know, at that point, we had gotten, what, five or six inches? Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is where you attack the alley. The alley is going to be menacing <laughs> at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., Yeah, and I'm going to attack it right now. So I got out there, got, you know, car down the alley, ended up parking on the street, which the street is a relatively busy street, all things considered, here in Indianapolis. And I'm just like, I don't think I'll be, you know, plowed in or anything like that. Right. Sure enough, I wasn't. And uh, I'm only really about two turns away from – one of the busier streets in the entire city of Indy. So I was like, as long as I can get there, somewhat clear sailing. So, uh, like I said, thinking about everybody around the country without power and certainly the uh, freezing temperatures. And Yeah, I saw at one point this week you could go from New Mexico up to Vermont and that entire drive, if you were to make it, you would be within a winter storm advisory. Wow, that is wild. Yeah, I mean, I think... I'm sure a lot of people have seen this. It was warmer in Anchorage, Alaska than it was in mm-hmm. Dallas, Texas, which is just incredible. So, um, again, uh, we're back, but, again, it is just one day late. Sorry about that. We'll have Naeem Hines on today's podcast. I think, in all seriousness, Chris, he might be, I don't know, favorite player on yeah. this team. Just such an engaging, happy, he's doing what he loves. He shows that. Uh, just ball of energy is Naeem Hines. He's a spoke per- spokesperson for muscular dystrophy in 2021, which is just an awesome thing that he's doing off the field as well. So had him on with JMV about a week or so ago, and I wanted to make sure our listeners here on the podcast heard that. So you'll hear that. You'll obviously uh, hear Twitter questions. And then, dude, a month from today, yeah. agency starts mm-hmm. March 17th. Uh, so as we – this Carson Wentz – situation plays out which i think it, it could happen um really at any point and you got to think sooner rather than later just because there's some sort of planning to off seasons that i think need to be done for teams involved you know there's no hard deadline right but it does seem like it's something when you get to mid to late february that's when some of the stuff starts to really happen and then plays out before the new league year officially begins on march 17th so i wanted to hit on the colts own free agents today and We'll certainly monitor the Wentz situation as we always do and have done for the last few podcasts. And I know we got a few Twitter questions about it as well. Yeah. 
We do, and, and I'm looking forward to that because, like you mentioned, some of the Twitter questions and a lot of the Colts' Twitter just in general, you can see as this Wentz thing has started to kind of prolong, now the Colts fans are, are we waiting for free agency? Are we going to trade up now? So we'll we'll get to those in Twitter questions. But like you said, Colts free agency first. Let's talk about in-house. You rank them green, yellow, and red in terms of where you think we could possibly keep some of these free agents and where they fall from your opinion. Let's start off right away with green. And yeah, you, go, you go dark green to light green. Right, and this is, again, what I would do. You know, green would be heavily look to bring back. Yellow, I could go both ways. Red, obviously, no. So in the green category, I put three guys here, Chris. Um, all defensive players, ironically enough, it's Xavier Rhodes, it's um, Al-Kadeen Muhammad, and it's Danico Autry. And let me make it clear, this is what I would do, not necessarily um, how the market will look for some of these players mm-hmm. or could you go multiple ways. Yeah, but I just think from importance, I guess is really the better way to say it. I feel like these three guys have a lot of importance to the Colts compared to the rest of the free agents. You know, Rhodes, it is going to come out of the bidding war, but I think corner really drops off in free agency in terms of the depth of that position group. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should have concerns for different reasons about a Rocky scene or a Marvell Tell or an Isaiah Rogers. Is there talent? Is there development? Certainly. And Tell and Rogers, you know, they probably don't have the scar tissue that Rock has absorbed in the NFL here. But still, I don't, you know, if you're running out three corners tomorrow, I don't know if you feel overly confident right. in, in a trio like that. So that's why I have Rhodes. al Muhammad, I think – is the most likely guy to be re-signed. And again, that's more of my gut talking. But I just think it makes a lot of sense. He's young, 26. He has three-down ability, and he plays with a tremendous, tremendous motor. And it's not a cliche for the Annapolis Colts to be enamored with that. They are obsessed with that, especially on the defensive line. And I think Muhammad works like they want their guys to work. And honestly, he works probably like they wish some of their other young defensive lineman worked if you catch my drift with that one yeah so I, I think he makes a whole lot of sense there and lastly I got Autry in that green versatile and a little bit younger than Justin Houston that's what I think played into him being up there I could see it going both ways but you go to three downs you you, you talk about versatility how important that is on game day that's why I've got Autry in this top group yeah, and I like that. As you mentioned, defensive side of the ball, especially with corner, you got to get there. I heard you on the morning show this week. Marvell Tell, we don't know what he has. Hopefully, you know, the the, the missing the season doesn't affect him too much because I do think he has some, yeah, some potential. Yeah, he's got a lot of traits that you like, for, for, for sure. Um, anyone else that you thought either should have been in green or maybe – Autry, Muhammad, Rhodes didn't deserve to be in green. And again, with, with, with Rhodes, if you're going to make me sit here right now and be like, do you think he's back? I'd probably say no, just because the factors we've laid out before in the podcast of familiar facing Jonathan Gannon, affordable, how hungry he is, those three don't necessarily check out as much as they did back in March. But as importance, I still think yeah. he's an important guy to bring back. No, looking at your list, like you mentioned, and you, and you have it in parentheses if people want to go to 1075thefan.com, obviously this uh, article is up with a ton of other articles that you've been doing this offseason. Mohammed, as you mentioned, 26 years old. That's one of the first things that stood out when you look at the fact that Rhodes is 31, Autry's 30, 26, as Chris 
Ballard mentioned, just the window starting to open, that's a guy that falls into that category. And I don't look at bringing back Al-Kadeen Muhammad Chris as he is your unquestioned day one starter. Right. I mean, I think he could and honestly should, but when you're talking about guys that play on first and second down, we we get so obsessed with Kamoko Terry, and rightfully so. There are a lot of traits you love, but like, let's not forget about who plays in the rundowns. Mm -hmm. The Colts were the second-best run defense in the league last year. Your DNs play a part in that. They aren't maybe as dominant or as noticeable as Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner, but let's not forget about them. So I think that's where Muhammad really comes into play as a guy that on the early downs, similar to Justin Houston, I don't want to discredit Justin Houston. Where I look at it from Houston's standpoint is I didn't feel like the consistent rush was there enough on third down. I worry about father time. Extremely durable last two years. I did not see that coming. He he didn't miss a game the last two years. But he is 32. And just when does that, you know, fall off? Um, I, I see reasons to bring him back Houston. And honestly, the biggest reason you probably bring back Houston is because Kamoko Turi and Ben Banigou haven't shown up to that level. So, you know, that's a guy that I have in the yellow. You know, Marlon Mack I have atop the yellow list. I, if that market is not very high for him, I'm bringing back Marlon Mack, and I think you've got the funds. In no way am I saying three-year and $21 million. I'm saying – Super incentive laden and yep. one year five million or I don't know, you know maybe two for eight two for nine something like that just kind of ballpark in there yeah that was the one that was one of the bigger ones in this category of darker yellow to lighter yellow that stood out to me and I was happy to see it because I'm a Marlon Mack fan I think most Colts fans are we understand that he might as you said get a bigger contract elsewhere and good for him if he can but if we can keep him here him and Jonathan Taylor I'm gonna do it. Chris, I don't want to strike fear in fans, but like, what happened to Marlon Mack in the second quarter of the season opener in Week One? Mm-hmm. I mean, that could happen to Jonathan Taylor, right? And it can happen, obviously, at any position. But running back, that stuff happens and tends to, you know, be something that occurs a little bit more than others. So I think that is something as well, just to keep in mind about Mack. Even though you do like the depth, I mean, Hines, but I like Hines in the role that he is in. I don't necessarily want Hines toting it for twenty-two times as a natural yeah. ball carrier there you know ty hilton tj carry i've got on the list as well uh honestly if xavier rhodes does not come back tj carry probably goes all the way up to the green for me okay just because position flex and a veteran voice i realize he's 30 and you need to acknowledge that for sure but that is something i think to keep in mind so yeah the way he played for how we got him Take it every time. You know, there's a reason why he was playing over Rocky Singh mm-hmm. late late in the season there before Rock had the concussion. The other guys in the yellow, Joey Hunt. I know it's a name that probably some people don't even know if he's on this football team. He's not a, a Hunt brother um, <laughs> that are loyal listeners to this podcast. But uh, he was the guy you plugged in at left guard when Quentin Nelson moved to left tackle. So, Again, something to keep in mind about, okay, we're trying to project moving forward. Yes, Danny Pinter, but if you're moving Nelson over to left tackle, now that means your interior depth needs some uh, needs some help there. Mm-hmm. Trey Burton, Anthony Walker, yeah, yeah. They're also in the yellow. Then, then my red group, Jacoby, LaRaven Clark, Malik Hooker, Tavon Wilson, and Chaz Green round out the red group. I will say a couple things here. Jacoby, obviously, 
some veteran quarterback move has to happen before the draft. I would be, even though, you know, team draft needs to be, uh, you know, uh, let's say branded across my chest with how I feel about quarterback. You've got to make a veteran move at QB right in the next month or so. Like you can't go in the draft because then you're showing your entire hand. And so I, that's why I still think Bursett, maybe, who knows, what do, does the market look like for quarterbacks is always a mystery. And then lastly, on the Raven Clark and Chaz Green, you just always need tackles. So if they come back and they compete for a roster spot, whoop de doo in no way, shape, or form am I saying they need to be the swing tackle, they need to be the sixth offensive lineman like they were at times this season. No, 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 especially with – Clark coming off the torn Achilles, which yeah. you really feel bad for him in December. But I, I do look at that as upgrading at tackle, certainly starting tackle, uh, finding one, and then upgrading with your depth at tackle needs to happen. So, uh, But I, I have those two guys in red just as the point of they don't need to come back God as for, a yeah. 53-man roster option. Got a quick question for you because, God forbid, we're still in the COVID situation if we get into the next football season. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily some of the numbers seem to be decreasing and whatnot. But if the roster stay expanded because of that, does that help some of these guys who are in yellow or possibly red slide back up because we'll have the expanded rosters? Yeah, that's that's a good question. At first I thought you were going to go with, does that mean Jacoby could be back? Does that increase a little bit more of familiar with the system and, and whatnot? Um, which I actually think is an internal question that you have. Um, hmm. I think roster familiarity does matter. I think familiarity just in general matters. COVID, roster expansion, sure. But I think it's just guys you trust. You know, you threw Joey Hunt into the fire in a random game and seemed to hold up for a a few snaps. Now, some of these guys I've kind of seen enough of. Clark, I've seen enough of. Even Brissett as a starter, I've seen enough of. Malik Hooker, I just feel like that's going in a different direction. You know, Anthony Walker, what's the market look like for him? So... I, I, I do think that, that yeah, that's a, that's a decent point. You know, it looks like the spring is going to be virtual at the very least. And certainly that would impact, you know, and teams drafting very high of rookie quarterbacks starting. Yes. And that's a whole different layer that we do not need to be debating, you know, two months out by any means. So, yeah, that is a, um, that is a good point. I guess one thing I feel like the next few weeks – is about in the NFL, and we've already started to see some of it, is about the cap casualty guys. You're going to have trades play out. Mm-hmm. This is usually a pretty quiet time roster move-wise. But roster moves that do occur, some trades, some cap casualties, J.J. Watt, Kawan Short, you know, we've seen that here in the past yep. couple of days, couple of weeks. And then you will see some of your own free agents re-sign, probably more so early March, uh, which, you know, when you look at this list, are there any guys that the Colts don't want to get to the open market. Yeah. You know, oftentimes the Colts have let guys get to the open market and then still re-sign them. They want to say, all right, you think your market value is that? Go ahead. Tamper for real. Like, don't just do it behind people's backs. You can go out there, talk to people, visit if you want to. I don't know if there's free agent visits, probably not, but, you know, virtual stuff, whatever. But anybody on this list, do you look at and say, I I don't want that guy testing the market. Is Al-Kadim Muhammad a guy that some team might say, oh, we feel like he could be for us what Danico Autry was for you? 
Autry comes here from the Raiders. A little bit of a scaled-back role, full-time, three-year starter. Pretty productive here. Maybe that's too high a praise of Alkanee Muhammad, but um, I think that's something just to keep in mind a little bit there. Yeah, one guy who luckily is not going to be a free agent, and hopefully we can sign for a bigger contract here in the upcoming years, is Naheem Hines, who we're fortunate enough to have on the show today. We are. I hope you guys have enjoyed Jacob Eason last week, Marcus Brady two weeks ago, and again, this interview I did with Naheem during, I guess it was Super Bowl week, maybe, leading into the Super Bowl, Super Bowl week, uh, about uh, him being the spokesperson for muscular dystrophy in 2021, which Again, is absolutely awesome. My mom, and I mentioned this in the interview, my mom um, worked with kids with muscular dystrophy, and I know it's hit Naeem's family pretty directly as well. So um, it's great to see a guy here locally you know, doing this on a much grander scale than just here in the Indianapolis area. So hope you enjoyed this interview. Naeem Hines on uh, Kevin's Corner. Naeem Hines, Muscular Dystrophy Association National Spokesperson for 2021. Join us now on the ride with JMV. Naeem, that's an awesome title, man. Um, it's uh, I'm truthfully uh, honored to you know be uh, the national spokesman, uh, the MD, uh, the Muscular Dystrophy Association. But uh, truthfully, it's not being named that. I, I plan to you know leave a legacy behind and you know do right by others and bring awareness and raise money for this as well. Now I remember back in December you had them on your my claws, my my cleats, right? Yes, every year, all three years I've done them. Have you? Uh, and is it your your mom and and your uncle and your grandma have all been impacted by this? Yes, and it's, it goes farther than that. My great-grandmother had it. I think somebody in each generation on my mom's side has had it. So uh, it's been a long family fight, truthfully. Well, I was saying before you hopped on here, my my mom taught students with muscular dystrophy for several years. So as someone that you know indirectly has seen what, what, what this can do, people, I just think it's absolutely awesome that you're carrying this torch and uh, happy for you, man. Thank you. There's a lot. There's, the world needs a lot more people like your mom uh, to not be affected by it and still help just uh, – that's that's amazing. So we, I really appreciate that, and we all of us do who have been affected by it and the people living with it. Naeem Hines, uh, appreciate the time. Join us right here on the ride of the JMV. Um, third NFL season just wrapped up for you. I guess individually, Naeem, what were you most proud of yourself in this 2020 season? Uh, individually, I think, uh, I think I just played better. I ran the ball better between the tackles, and I think truthfully I was just happy that I made a uh, more uh, the most of the opportunity and uh, truthfully uh, there's a lot of things I'm proud of for myself but we didn't come get anywhere close to winning uh, winning a Super Bowl and getting close so that's really how I feel I'm really happy with what I've done but uh, obviously personally I feel like I need to do more to help us you know win and all of us we need to make the play come to us and that's the, really the goal not really about me it's about us you know going to the Super Bowl and winning. How often have you thought about that Buffalo game? Every day since I, every day I wake up I think about it and every day I've watched the playoff game since the Buffalo game, I was thinking about how we could, you know, possibly be there. So uh, I'll probably think about it every day until I get to play football again. So uh, that's what I'm going to use to motivate me. And uh, hopefully I think a lot of our team will use that because we were in the game and we just didn't execute some of the plays that could have turned the tide for us. And uh, that's how I look at that. So uh, that's probably why I've been thinking about it every day. You know, go, going back to the earlier point you were making about maybe a few more big plays in the run game, I felt like you know we, we saw the Carolina punt returns a few years ago, but I felt like this year, specifically as a runner, you gave this team a few more explosive runs, which is something you did in college, but had been missing a little bit in the NFL. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, well, 
my job my job entails a lot of things. Sometimes it's running the ball ten times. Sometimes it's not getting any carries. And uh, truthfully, my job is just to make the most of the opportunities. And I think, like I said earlier, this year I think uh, this year I made the most of the opportunities on the most some of the runs I had. Uh, the past two years I can't say that there might have been something I was wrong with a read, uh, patience. But I think this year I really did truthfully make the most and did everything I possibly could do. And uh, I'm going to keep doing it. I think this year I just figured out things on the offense. And uh, you know it's my third year. I think I'm just getting older and just figuring out things a little bit better. And hopefully uh, the run game for me keeps getting better. Naeem Hines joining us uh, on behalf of the Muscular Dystrophy Association, the spokesperson for 2021 uh, Colts running back and wide out, I guess you could also call him. Uh, Paula wanted me to ask you how the hedgehog's doing. Oh, the hedgehog's well. I actually, uh, I actually gave it to my masseuse's daughter on um, probably about two months ago. And it really was because I didn't want shadow, but I realized that she probably <laughs> – around more people and i from what i've heard she's actually been better because uh she's with you know five people who are around her all the time as opposed to me who leaves for 12 hours so i think uh i i think giving her away to you know my mama's daughter made her life a lot better and hopefully happier did you say the name is shadow yes like yes shadow like as in sonic arch nemesis is exactly why i named her (laughs) absolutely love that uh how often have you been to bojangles since the offseason started Oh, um, <laughs> let's not talk about that because I'm still in Indiana. So uh, oh. I'll, I'll be I'll be going back home in about a couple of weeks. I, I stayed here and just been uh, working hard and getting some uh, treatment and things. But uh, I'll go home in about a month, and uh, that's probably the first place I'm going to go when I get off of the plane. I was going to say because you're a big you know track trainer, aren't you? Once you once you get into the off season workout. Yes, uh, yeah, I do run a lot, so uh, I I don't eat as much bojangles as I want to because <laughs> I'm, I'm running so hard. But I promise you, uh, before I start running really hard, I promise you, I'm going to eat a lot of bojangles. I, I would say the thing, and I, I've been talking um, throughout the show that I, I I honestly think the Colts should give you a contract extension this this off season. I won't put that awkward conversation to you, but the you fact that, that. <laughs> the, the 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 fact that you haven't missed a game yet in the NFL, how much pride do you take in that? Uh. You know what? The, the funniest thing about that is I don't even take as much pride in that as not missing practice. Uh, I haven't missed a single practice since I've been there neither. And uh, I think uh, I've, as an athlete and myself, I've done everything I can do to show that I'm pen, I'm dependable and I'm available. And uh, not missing a practice, that's what I'm more, you know, I'm more excited about that because obviously the games matter, but practice is where it translates to the game. And that's how important, you know, the reps and everything is to me. I haven't missed a practice. So I think I'm, I'm doing that, try not to miss a practice, any more practices, any games, and uh, – keep doing everything I can do to make the most opportunity. And I think if I do that, no matter what the contract situation is, I think it'll, it'll work out in my favor somehow. I didn't realize that. I mean, I, I, I was saying earlier, I don't feel like I've seen you on the injury report hardly at all in your three years, but I didn't realize you haven't missed a practice either. Uh, no, I, I practice every single day. Oh my God. I missed the last OTA day, if you want to count that, my rookie year because I pulled my hamstring. But every practice, uh, every practice the last three years, I've, I've been with. I've been there and practiced. Oh, that is crazy impressive. Naeem Hines joining us here on the ride of the JMV. Um, obviously, big news a few weeks ago, Naeem, with Philip Rivers deciding to uh, hang it up. And you've known, or at least uh, at least from afar, have seen Philip a whole lot over the past you know couple decades plus now. Um, the fact that you were his leading receiver in his final season is that something that'll resonate with you? Uh, that is that is pretty cool. Now thinking about it, uh, he's one of my favorite players growing up, and uh, I guess his last year I was his leading receiver. So uh, I haven't really thought about that much, but uh, that's that's really an honor. And uh, truthfully, for me, uh, I'm honestly just honored to play with Philip Rivers. Uh, 
I grew up uh, a kid from, uh, you know, Raleigh, North Carolina, hearing about him and watching him on TV at NC State and never thinking I would actually play with him. Uh, you know, that was a dream come true of mine. I always wanted to play with Phillip Rivers. So uh, the fact that, you know, I could be his leading receiver his last year is a, a greater honor than I could uh, ever imagine, truthfully. What will you remember the most about just watching Phillip operate as a pro or as a quarterback? What will I remember most? I will remember most probably uh, – how much Philip talks during the game and changes the play. <laughs> Sometimes we don't know the play until five seconds is left on the play clock because Philip's getting us in a perfect play. And that's, I'm just always going to think about his dialogue. Like uh, sometimes like it could be a snap. People are like, Naheem, move out. Or we're good, we're good. Like he's really just talking to you like it's not a football game. He's like, all right, guys, easy, easy. Come on, guys. Like it's just, I think just his dialogue and uh, his competitiveness is what I'm going to remember because uh, there's not going to be a quarterback who talks on the field as much as Philip Rivers. I can promise you that. I've never seen anything like it. It's crazy to me. I felt like during that Buffalo playoff game, that play clock was down to like two, three, one, every single play, and yet every single time, oh, yeah, you guys are good. The ball snapped. <laughs> Look, that's why we have 450 yards of offense. Uh, <laughs> 17 guys in the right play a lot, and, uh, you know, I'm going to miss that a lot. I'm just going to really miss the veteran leadership from him and uh, how he really carried himself. He, uh, It didn't matter if you were an undrafted free agent or you were T.Y. Hill. You can go to Philip and ask him anything about how to become a better player and a better pro and a better person, and he would tell you about that. So uh, he was a really great leader. I'm always going to, you know, remember that and cherish him for that. Before we let you go, Naheem, got to ask you, what's next on the touchdown celebration list? Oh, my. uh, I wasn't ready for that. That's the one person I haven't been ready for. Um, I I don't know. Um, Truthfully, my touchdown celebrations, I, I don't think about them much. Like, I might do it, but uh, whatever I get in the end zone, it kind of – I do whatever uh, goes into my brain. So, that day I decided to flip. I Come I on. I you like, had to have thought about that one a little bit before. Uh, I said I was going to do that the first touchdown of my career, and I just always forgot because I, I always knew I could do the flip. But uh, it was just that day. I'm just a – when it comes to celebrations, I think I'm just a sporadic person. That Just that day when I got to the stadium, I said, dang, if I score today, I'm going to flip. And uh, I was just lucky enough to score twice. But uh, I don't know. I don't know what's next. Maybe some more dancing. Uh, hopefully not too many more flips. Well, hopefully uh, many more trips to the end zone and for a long time to come. As I've been saying, second contract should be coming for you um, here shortly. Naheem Hines, uh, just an awesome cause. Thank you for everything you've done, not only for this community here, but I know um, it far outreaches uh, just the city of Indianapolis. And stay safe and healthy during the offseason, Naheem, and uh, we'll uh, hopefully see you back here in the spring. Thank you so much, and uh, always a pleasure to talk to you guys. Can't wait to talk to you guys again. Naheem Hines right there. You can head to mda.org to learn more about Naheem's partnership and donate to help fund cures. Again, the spokesperson for Muscular Dystrophy Association here in 2021. And thank you again to Naeem Hines for that interview, Chris. Uh, we talked a little hedgehog action there. <laughs> Shadow. Shadow the hedgehog. He loves his golf. Naeem Hines I know as well. And we mentioned it a few podcasts ago. I don't think it will happen just because of the position he plays. And you don't say this about a lot of guys at that position. He deserves a second contract here in Indianapolis. And I don't really debate it too much. Yeah. How about him saying he has – I forgot he hasn't missed a practice. Yeah, I know. That was one of the big things that stood out to me in what? that interview. Practice, uh, you know, insert your Iverson clip here. I mean, what – yeah, I, I, and now that he says that, and I, I mentioned it to him, I'm like, I don't remember him even on the injury report. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. guys still practice, yet they're on the injury report. So, final year of his contract coming up here in 2021. He's a unique player. He's a key piece in every NFL offense because of that pass-catching ability. Yep. And I do think he deserves a multi-year investment 
um, for many reasons. So one of the good, good guys, great guys inside that locker room. So hope you guys enjoyed that. Well, Kevin, let's jump into Twitter questions, and right away let's talk to someone who might be throwing to Naheem Hines in ooh, the near future. Ooh, ooh, how about that tease from Chris Presley? Because we're already going to kick it off. Steven wants to know, what are the chances we trade for Wentz or trade up for a quarterback? Oh, so he wants to ask both. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you, you trade Wentz and you trade up for a quarterback. Oof. I don't know about both. Um, I think a trade for Carson Wentz, Chris, means that you are giving a two-year commitment to him as your starter. Yep. I should say that financially, obviously. If yes. he looks like 2020, then it would be a one-year commitment. and Hell, it might not even be a one-month commitment at that point. But let's not think there just yet. If you look at the contract, yes, he's under contract for four more years. And yes, at the age of 28, he offers a little bit more of a long-term view than you know, some of these other guys that potentially are available. But really, from a guaranteed standpoint, I want to say it's like two years, $47 million for him. And, you know, we'll see if Derek Carr ever becomes available. I would say, Chris, that outside of Wentz and Carr, any move you make at quarterback this offseason would not impact the draft for me and deciding on a quarterback. Like Dalton? Yeah. Winston, Trubisky, right. Foles. I mean, I, I don't know. Again, I'm saying realistic names here. Like, <laughs> you draft one. If the right guy starts falling and whatnot, if the opportunity presents itself, boom, and you, whatever, you're going to eat the – I throw Sam Darnold into this group. Okay, so you're going to eat the third-round pick. Like, that's fine. I Okay, you make – that's the problem with not, – not the problem. It's just how the NFL calendar works. Free agency's a month and a half earlier – than the draft, and when you're drafting 21, that plays into it as well. You know, one thing on the on the Carson Wentz front, Chris, is this. I've been mentioning this on the morning show here the past couple of days. It seems like there's a bit of a debate over just how attractive is the package the Colts have offered for Carson Wentz in Philly's eyes. Mm-hmm. And while we know Chris Ballard is really stringent on value and assigning value and not wavering from that value, I also think there's a debate of, like, you've got belief to some degree in Carson Wentz. You've got to look Frank Reich in the eye and say, do you have enough belief? Because, like, I don't care if it's two seconds and a third or two seconds and a fourth or, like, yes, is that a difference in trade package? Sure. But no matter what, you're handing your keys to the franchise yes. to that guy. You either believe or you don't. And clearly, the Colts don't fully believe or else this deal would have been done seemingly a, a, a while ago. So there is skepticism. Is there a reason to have skepticism? Sure. But at the end of the day, this comes down to if you like the guy and you think the guy can be your franchise quarterback, you know I, I think you, you, you sweeten it a little bit. Do you sweeten it to the point where you're sending two first-round picks? No. But if you believe in Carson Wentz to have some sort of resurrection project, I think you got to go ahead and pull the trigger on that. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you don't, or you're afraid that, no, I don't think he's worth two seconds and a fourth, well, it's he's worth two seconds and a third for all of a sudden you to say, no, he's not going to be our franchise quarterback or yes, 
He's going to be like, those are two totally different ends of the spectrum there and how important of a decision that you are about to make. Um, I think there's reason to worry a little bit about the mental toughness, mental, um, mental toughness is probably a harsh way to say it, but just where he's at mentally, Carson Wentz. I mean, he got, he got hit in the, kicked in the, you know what? Yeah. And so I think that's something you have to keep in mind. But certainly Press Taylor and Frank Reich on the staff, Carson Wentz loves those guys. And I have said it long and will continue to say it. Frank Reich, Frank Reich is obsessed with Carson Wentz. That's why the Colts continue to be in this situation. But it's like if you have skepticism, when do you back out? When do you have concern? You know, is Chris Ballard going to be up at night saying, man, I don't know. We sat on that for two or three weeks, and we did it, and now we've got the guy for mm-hmm. two years. But is he the guy? You put that in italicizer, right. you know, you know, 72 font or something like that there. So that's just as the Wentz thing plays out, I start to think about that more and more. And I know every quarterback you have in free agency in the draft, you are going to have internal debate. You are going to have indecision. You are going to have, you know, skepticism about And the same thing for the draft. As well, I don't want to act like there's polished prospects that, boom, that's a no-brainer, especially when you're drafting 21. But when there's some scar tissue there and you're hesitant to go from a second, second-round pick, fourth-rounder to a second, second, third-rounder, is that telling you enough right then? Mm-hmm. Like If you're debating that, shouldn't you be debating him playing the most important position for you? We'll continue to expand on that if you can. Uh, Brent's question, then why won't the Colts just offer their first-round pick to get the win still done with considering Ballard typically offers two second-round picks on his normal trades for a first anyway? Well, I think for Chris, he looks at it as there is great appeal of that first-rounder, which is a no-brainer comment. But from a Colts standpoint, if you trade your first-round pick, Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. I think the last first-round pick you actually used was um, Quentin Nelson. Mm-hmm. In 2019, you traded, traded out, back, drafted yeah. Rocky Scene. 2020, you know, DeForest Buckner. Now you would be trading 2021, it seems like. So it comes. you rarely see teams don't have a first-round pick in three years, and that you know comes back to the financial aspect of you have that fifth-year uh, team option that is so attractive. It's affordable, all of that. Um, so I think that's why there is a – and some people will look at it the other way and see like, oh, Chris Bowden's done so well with the second-round picks mm-hmm. and whatnot. But, you know, if you had a fifth-year team option on Braden Smith right now or Darius Linder right now, that'd be super appealing, and you don't have to worry about that long-term deal just yet. That's why you see teams trade in the back end of the first round so often right. is to get that fifth-year team option. I'm interested to see just how Ballard works this because early on, as you said, he – other than the Quentin Nelson, which was a no-brainer, he traded up for the or traded back, but then traded back again the next year, and then last year trades the first pick. So he started off kind of cautious, and then last year he went for it. This year is he going to go for it again, or is he going to trade back? Yeah, I think it'll be just be very telling. Like he plays chess matches, and I don't necessarily know what his strategy is, and we shouldn't know. Like we we really should not know how. Um, the Colts playing at quarterback because that obviously is some leaks inside that building, and ultimately it's going to cost you potentially your ability to orchestrate something rather secretive Mm -hmm. if you're going to go down that path as well. So I think those are all things to keep in mind. 
This one's from Damon. Said, now that he's gone, what do you think about trying to get J.J. Watt? I know he's got some injury concerns, and he isn't what he used to be, but his veteran leadership is tempting, and he's also an upgrade over Justin Houston. Thanks again, Kevin and Chris. Appreciate that, Damon. Uh, if healthy, he's without question an upgrade over Justin Houston. J.J. Watt's a pretty darn good football player still. Now, injury. Injuries, mm-hmm. plural. Last five years, he's played more than eight games, I think only twice. Can't ignore that. That's the elephant in the room. That's father time. Mm-hmm. But if that dude is healthy and putting pads on on a Sunday afternoon, he still is a very disruptive football player, and he'd be even more disruptive next to DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart than he would next to those jekylls that Houston ran out there as a defense last year around him. Right. So I'd make a call. I'd put some interest into it. Probably sit it out. But sit it out with the notion that I believe I can do something significant in free agency mm-hmm. at that position. Um, if you do make the move, super incentive later, certainly, for him to play in games. You worry maybe a little about the scheme fit. May not ideal, but I still think he's a three-down productive football player. And, you know, his wife plays soccer for the MLS team in Chicago. I would think there's some appeal to come back to the Midwest for that reason. Obviously, J.J. from here as well. So, yeah. You gotta think, you know, stick it to your former team in the division. So he's still, as you mentioned, still top twenty-five and run and top ten and and pass. So pass he's, rate, he's, yeah, yeah, he's still got it. Oh yeah, I mean he's declining, but he's he still has something in the in the engine. And again, that's with getting no help, dude. He gets no yeah. help. You know, it's no more Vince Woolfork or Jadavian Clowney or whoever else used to play up front with them there. I know Tennessee, you know, John Robinson said yesterday that he's reached out. So there's gonna be some interest from your. Uh, AFC playoff teams, NFC playoff teams, and certainly the Midwest. Right. All right, we got one from Matt revolving the, involving the quarterback again. says, I'm definitely pro trading up for a quarterback, but the more I think about it, the more I wouldn't mind Wentz, assuming the reports about his character aren't true. If you compare the career stats, Wentz is actually pretty close to Andrew Lux. Also, if you specifically compare Lux's 2015 season with Wentz's 2020 season, they're very similar. Imagine if the Colts wanted to trade Luck after that year. Would we all be laughing about asking for two firsts like we're laughing about the Eagles? You could say that injuries are age at, are, and age are the difference, but Andrew had his fair share of injuries and eventually had major arm surgery too. He also was somewhat turnover prone through his career. Lastly, Luck's best year with Reich was when he was 29 years of age, which is the same age as Wentz. Uh, long story short, the more I think about it, the more I would be okay with getting Wentz, assuming the compensation is fair, even though I would much prefer trading up in the draft. Matt, I appreciate the thought process with this, and um, you can certainly draw some parallels, similarities between the two. I'd say injury-wise, you know, arm versus ACL, maybe. You could draw that as well, but Andrew Luck never bottomed out like Carson Wentz bottomed out last year. Yeah. You know, Andrew Luck was never the worst quarterback in the NFL. And it, the more you look at that 2020 season, Chris, it's scary. It's scary how bad Carson Wentz was. Circumstances around him were not great. They sh- that should be acknowledged. But that dude was pretty bad. Um, really bad. Awful. Horrible. And, like, the Colts just never – again, luck never got there individually. Yeah, did he have some turnover moments? Sure. But what happened when the Colts had Andrew Luck under center? They would go 11-5. and five. Or at the worst, they'd finish 500. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, when, when your win percent, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing here. I'm going to guess Luck's win percentage was probably like equates to like a 9 or 10 win season. I mean, that's that's your average, you know, throughout your career. That's where you're at. I mean, that's a damn good floor yeah. for a quarterback. And this, I guess, kind of gets back to everything that I talk about where I'm so team draft with, with, with quarterback. That position more than any other can create margin for error elsewhere on your roster. You don't want to rely on that margin for error. You don't want to settle, become complacent with your roster, but it allows for it. And when your floor, I mean, the Colts, 11 and 5, 11 and 5, 11 and 5, 8 and 5 in 2015, Luck was hurt for however many, many games that year, 8 and 8 the next year, and then what, 10 and 6, his final season when he was starting. So you're telling me my floor with that dude is going to be a 500 football season? Mm hmm. And we debate how great of a roster they had around him at that point. We don't debate that maybe as much now yeah. with the Colts' current makeup. So, um, Matt, I, I, I hear you out. There are some similarities. You know, Andrew Luck never received an MVP vote in any of his years of playing. Carson Wentz, I don't know if he received any MVP, MVP votes in 2017, but he certainly was playing like that until he tore his ACL. But the bottoming out, I mean, Luck was never, never at the level that Carson was at last year. Yeah, because think about it. People say, you know, we're a Super Bowl caliber team. We're right there. But we just need a quarterback, a wide receiver, and a defensive end. Well, those are pretty big freaking pieces that you need other than saying, we're a Super Bowl caliber team. We have a quarterback. We need a cornerback, a defensive end, and a wide receiver. Like having the quarterback mask, like you said, a lot of pieces. It does. Makes you sleep a lot better at night. Makes yeah. you use your resources in much more efficient ways than – because I'm a, I fully acknowledge if you're going to make some big move to trade up and draft a quarterback, you're not going to be able to cross off some of those other needs that you just laid out there as well. So, um, yeah. Chuck wants to, Chuck uh, writes in and says, since the cap is going down this year, does it make sense to draft a quarterback for the Colts? You know, that wouldn't be a reason for me, Chuck, and like, you know, kind of drawing a line in the sand where I'm at. But it's certainly a nice benefit. Really, to be honest with you, no matter the year, no matter the cap situation, a rookie contract quarterback really helps you out. Mm -hmm. That's a big benefit. Um, you know, part of my goal with this podcast, you know, I, I've been so team draft and I remain so team draft. Each week I want to come at it from a different reason why I'm so team draft. I don't yeah. want to just be super redundant in what I'm saying. I think another reason why – I remain this way, Chris, is when you look back, and I guess we're on a bit of an Andrew Luck Colts 10-year flashback. Let's look at where the injury started. It's a week three game down in Tennessee. You're 0-2. Luck, Philip Dorsett, huge comeback win. Luck hurts your shoulder in that game. He misses the next two weeks, and the injuries snowball from there. So at that point, you had just gone to the AFC title game. Had those three straight 11-5 and five seasons. So many people thought the Colts were a Super Bowl favorite in, in 2015. And you look at it since then. The Colts have not had the same starting quarterback in consecutive seasons. Um, and I guess we should say for like at least half the games. You know, Luck had his injury issues in yeah. 2015. But, you know, Luck plays, what, seven games in 2015? Plays a ton in 2016. Then the shoulder surgery, so it's Brissett 2017. Luck comes back in 2018, obviously shocks the world, then retires in 2019, and then boom, you have to have 
Philip Rivers in tow for 2020. During that span, you haven't won a division title, and you've won one playoff game. And the quarterback position has been a bit of a revolving door. I don't think that is any secret. Like, those are exact parallel situations. And this is where I disagree with what Chris Ballard says. Chris Ballard is, you know, stresses it's not about one player. It's pretty darn close to it being about one player. Yes, ultimately, to get to that peak and to win in the playoffs, you need a good supporting cast. But if you want to get to a level where you're either winning multiple playoff games again as a franchise over a six-year span, or winning more division titles, or any division titles, I guess I should say, you got to have that guy. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you start looking at around the league, AFC Southwise, every other team has won a division title in that span. I think like 20-some teams in the league have won a division title since the Colts last did. Over 20 teams in the league have won multiple playoff games since the Colts last did. So I think these are just some things to keep in mind of if you're able to solidify that spot, provide continuity, provide high-level play, while it is extremely challenging to go and get that answer, if you have it, it allows for more sustaining, slight roster tweaking, not needing to overhaul at that important position, not being in the quarterback hell that you're currently in. Yeah. Um, so that adds to the why I'm so team draft why I'm a believer in that, why we'll have a tattoo parlor set up that we can all get that branded (laughs) on our bodies at some point in this offseason, along with Chris's Buffalo Bills tattoo that he will be getting. Um, I think it's now moved from the toe to maybe the back, (laughs) slightly lower back, get get him out in the the summer weather that hopefully will will happen somewhat soon. So, um, yeah, yeah, Chuck, I I guess I, I really have gone off on a little bit of a tangent there, but... I just want to continue to add to the reasons why I'm such a firm believer. And I do feel like, I don't know about you, Chris, but I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm just basing this on some of my colleagues, I do feel like the bandwagon is starting to grow a little bit more here. On drafting the quarterback, yeah. yeah. a little bit more. Yep. I think people were, 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 were a little afraid of that. And, you know, the Carson Wentz trade will happen Wednesday night, and uh, that'll be out the window <laughs> for, for, for now. Uh, but you guys have heard my thoughts on Wentz. But, um, yeah. Valid points. Question from Tim. Ballard stated that the window is just now cracking on the prime of this team. Says, for me, that would suggest that we draft a quarterback. Rookie contract allows for signing a left tackle, maybe Trent Williams, or a pass rusher, maybe Carl Lawson. Something along those lines. A quarterback rookie contract has to be awfully appealing, in my opinion. What are your thoughts? Thanks. Love the podcast. Waiting for your own show on the fan, Kevin. Oh, boy. Appreciate that, Tim. Thank you. I will Venmo you the burner account money. (laughs) Here shortly. Um, you and me both, certainly hoping for that, but happy to be co-hosting from 7 to 10 the next couple of weeks. You know, um, boy, that's a pretty good chunk of the offseason right there, Chris, isn't it? Trent Williams and Carl Lawson, if you're able to pull that off. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to go back to Ursay's comments that I've tried to mention that, yes, he says veteran vision, but then he also throws in that caveat of that multiple Super Bowls within a decade. Ballard is never has never gone there publicly. But how much is that smoke screens? Right. Just always something to keep in mind. Ballard is very honest and very candid about a lot of things. He's never going to be honest and candid about that position this time of the year. He's just not. So I think those are things to keep in mind. You know, 
boy, wow, if you were able to get, I'm not even saying Trent Williams because that's a huge deal, but if you're able to get some reliable left tackle in free agency, come back and get a Carl Lawson, you do alleviate a whole lot of stress on that rookie quarterback. Yes, you do. Early on. Now, you really hope that rookie QB, because you know when you look at some of these guys, Chris, you got to acknowledge Trey Lance, You know people call him such a fascinating prospect. It's because he's barely played games, let alone against great competition. Mm-hmm. And he's young. I think he barely is 20 years old. You look at um, Zach Wilson, look at that schedule. I mean, BYU played a bunch of homecoming games <laughs> this year. They played anyone who would take them, really. Right. Yeah. I don't mean to make light of it. You know, obviously the pandemic killed them from an independent standpoint and who they were able to play, but that's just where things were for them as as a program. And unfortunately, Zach Wilson didn't really get it tested out against a lot of high level defenses. So that's where you get into. uh, You don't even have the same sort of backgrounds as, you know, certainly Justin Fields, who you played at. Very high level in playoff games. One of the best conferences in college football. Mac Jones, not a lot of game film, but man, you know, you talk about the challenge he saw every day right. in practice, let alone on Saturdays as well. Trevor Lawrence, we don't even need to get into, but um, that is something. And, and I, I know we're not there yet, and I'm probably getting getting way, way too much ahead of things and letting my personal bias come in on that comment, but I did want to mention that, Tim. Yeah, and that's why I liked when you had Marlon Mack at the top of your your yellow category because rookie quarterback could also heavily depend on a two-headed monster in the backfield. That's another good point as well. Yeah, walking in and having Jonathan Taylor, maybe Marlon Mack, Naeem Hines, Jordan Wilkins. Yeah. And, yes, we can debate the left tackle's not there. Still a pretty good three pretty good offensive linemen, really good offensive linemen, and Nelson, Kelly, Smith. Let's stick with Nelson. Question from John. It says, sliding Quentin to left tackle makes financial sense as he would be the highest paid lineman anyway. Drafting a guard would be easier. You could get him in a lower round and much less expensive. In such, going after that end rusher at 21 makes more sense. Furthermore, getting a placeholder a la Fitzpatrick puts the Colts in the mix in 21 and lets the Colts make an educational opinion on Eason. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, interesting, John. Um Drafting a guard would be easier. I don't even know if you got to draft a guard. I mean, don't you have Danny Danny Pinter in there? And the, you know, we had Stephen Holder on the Fan Morning Show today, and Stephen wrote an article, great research, and getting you know these mm-hmm. big time O line guys opinions on moving Nelson to left tackle. They all were pretty pretty against it. Uh, it's similar to the Jeff Saturday article I wrote a few weeks ago. You know, Saturday talked about the opportunity cost was the was the term he kept on using there. Um, so I don't know. I guess how much does it play into Chris? What you have at guard versus what you have at tackle, how much should that play into your decision with Nelson left tackle? I don't think it should play in too much, but it is just a layer to that situation. Boy, I mean, Fitzpatrick would allow for a, would a, you know, you say the educated opinion. I don't know if that's a Harvard reference, but um, I do think Ryan Fitzpatrick would do well for Jacob Eason, certainly, just as another veteran there. Um I don't love it, you know. At the end of the day, Ryan Fitzpatrick is still about thirty games under five hundred starting quarterback. Like, there's water finds this level, you know. Regression to the mean. Insert your phrase here. He's fun to watch. Great red zone quarterback channel. I mean, um, entertaining, but sixteen game starter. No, I. But I couldn't agree with more, John. From a financial standpoint. If you're able to move Quentin Nelson to left tackle, that greatly, greatly helps you out moving forward. Yeah. 
Because I think Nelson will be the highest paid offensive lineman in the ever. league. Yeah. Like ever. Yes. I, if he could start at left guard, left tackle, they could put him at fullback. <laughs> like he will be, and, and that's just my opinion, but I, I, I do believe that's the type of contract he will garner. Probably not this offseason, but next. Realm of possibility of moving Braden Smith to left tackle? I, I saw the whole Eric Fisher reference from Kansas City, right, right tackle you know, to left tackle. And Chris mentioned, and there's a story I think put up on the fan last week, You know, it's like a right-handed golfer learning how to play left-handed. I just don't think it's a seamless. And now who starts a right tackle? I mean, you're back there with that as well. I think left tackle and right tackle don't have as big of a gap, right-handed or left-handed quarterback, as it used to. So I hear you. Don't love it. This one's from Pat. He says, after Rivers retired, there was a general sentiment that the Colts must have a plan at quarterback, and it was just a matter of if they can execute it. Where do you see Ballard's plan right now? Out the window or top secret? Oh, top secret, baby. Yep. Top secret, man. Chris Ballard is, what's it, you know, leaks? What's the quote about leaks or something? Sink ships and, you know, all Loose that. Loose lips sink ships. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That, that's, that, that's a Ballard quote. He's got plastered. He wants a whole organization to hear that, mm-hmm. and, I, and I mean that. Um, and you know what, Chris? You can have a plan, but unless it's a free agent like Philip Rivers and the agent is telling you, oh, yeah, my client, we are tampering, and my client will come to you, you you got no idea. You, your plan can go off the rails, and agents, they got their own agendas. Yeah, that's a slippery slope to play with teams, Right. but you're trying to drive up some interest. You want your client to get a little bit more money, whatnot there, so... That is why we love the offseason. The Colts in their room right now have 30-some plans. I don't know, 300. They have a ton of plans drawn up, backup plans, possibilities, this, that. They don't even know. Mm -hmm. You just don't truly know. There's 31 other teams competing for it. Players have got different sort of mindsets, agents as well, and that doesn't even get into the draft which is the ultimate crapshoot and the ultimate unknown and why we freaking love it <laughs> on Kevin's Corner and all of you eat it up. Like, we all do it because it's such a fascinating unknown time and the opportunity to get better as a franchise and potentially get the Colts as a short list in the 2020s as teams that are going to be here and they're staying here. That's what makes it so exciting. And, and I will continue to say it. This should – Fans can look at this as uneasy. They want action. Why is this quarterback drama, you know, playing out as long as it has? I look at it as, as pure excitement because the opportunity is there to greatly impact these important positions. And if you get it right, you're going to be winning a whole lot. Yeah. Wasn't it uh, Gruden and the Raiders that he was telling different scouts and things certain – he was misleading them to see what would leak out to the – His own scouts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And then was like, uh, yeah, guess what? You're not in the room on draft yep. night. You can stay home. Thank you. That's a great point. It's a great <laughs> point to make. That sounds um, stressful <laughs> to execute that and whatnot. But, yeah, it sounds like a scene in a movie. You know, you're going to leak something, and then you know it's going to get back to you, and you're going right. to have the uh, sayonara. Um, but, yeah, that's that's part of the NFL, baby. Mm-hmm. And we see all week on Twitter all the sources, ladies and gentlemen. If you, the only person with sources is Kevin Bowen, so hit him up because he, <laughs> he has all of them. <laughs> all right, this is from Mitchell. Why does it seem like a lot of people hate the idea of drafting or moving up and drafting a quarterback? If you think some, if you think about it, someone like Fields, Wilson, or Lance are just as risky as Wentz without the huge salary hit. I'm confused why people don't like the idea. I know a rookie winning the Super Bowl isn't likely. I just want a future guy and not another Band-Aid. Thanks, Kevin. 
Well, I think Mitchell brings up the point I just made. You know, I think there are people, and maybe I'm judging by my mentions, but I do feel like people are coming around. And it, it really amazes me why people are so against it. It's just, you know, I'm getting ready to write an article about debating Carson Wentz, Sam Darnold, and Mitchell Trubisky. Like, yeah, you know, I'd rather clean Rosie's, you know, diapers <laughs> for whatever, six straight months. Like, it's just... Can we get past one year of eh, missing the playoffs seven and nine for the potential of a decade long run? Yeah. And no, it's difficult. But I also think you gotta have some trust in Chris Bowden and Frank Reich. And that could be looked at in two ways. Some people say, Oh, I've trust in Chris Bowden and Frank Reich if they go out and get Wentz or they don't trade up for a quarterback because, you know. They are in those positions of authority for a reason, blah, blah, blah. You can have trust there. I look at my trust in the M in a different route. Five quarterbacks potentially in the first 15, 20 picks. There's some talent mm-hmm. at that position. These guys, their ability to maneuver, Frank Reich's ability to develop a quarterback, you give him that talent, ooh, that that's where I look at the trust in them because – I don't think it's you know ludicrous to say from a quarterback standpoint, the actions of Chris Ballard maybe aren't as aggressive as some others around the league. And so that's where, and it gets back into the stuff we were talking about on last week's podcast when we recapped a lot of what Ballard said about the functional quarterback. And, you know, you hear that and, I mean, you hear those phrases and I'm like, gosh, I feel like Mac Jones is staring me in the eyes right, right. now. Um, but, uh yeah, Mitchell, welcome, welcome aboard. This one's from James. Speaking of uh, Rosie's diapers, oh gosh, <laughs> says please thank Maddie and Rosie on our behalf for generously giving up some of their time with you for you to be able to continue doing the podcast. <laughs> well, th- thank you, James. Uh, th- this is my job, so it is you know part of the old nine to five. Uh, but yes, my job certainly takes me away from the family at different hours, and Maddie's support is. Uh, really, unlike anything other. So thank you for that. Happy anniversary uh, to, to, to Maddie Bowen as well. Our yeah. anniversary yesterday. I was going to say happy anniversary. Thank you. Uh, we were thinking the whole time, selfishly, about thank the Lord this wasn't the weather in 2019 when yeah. we got married here in Indianapolis. It was actually beautiful, 50 degrees on that February 16th day. So thank you, weather people. <laughs> Continuing on, he says, you helped many of us get through our week with your thoughts and insight. On to my question. I see many Colts fans and writers with hot takes about how important the pass rush was for the Bucks' victory in the Super Bowl. I have a much different take. I feel the Chiefs' offensive failures just makes Ballard point, Ballard's point for him. You have a good, o, a good O-line that can't be about one guy. Mahomes, without question, is an amazing quarterback, but, but with backup tackles, he ran for his life over 500 yards, like we mentioned last podcast. More than both quarterbacks had combined the whole night in passing, 477 yards with that insane stat it feels like finding Costanzo's heir has to be a top priority we can't have another quarterback career destroyed like luck am I off my rocker here thanks for making the offseason a little easier yeah no problem James I will relay that message (laughs) okay a lot of things jump out to me there Chris Um, let me see if I can go in somewhat order I, I do think you're a little bit off your rocker to be honest with you Luck's career destroyed. A lot of reasons. Um, drop back, quarterback, throughout that rookie season, stubborn quarterback. You know, he tells Mike Sanford, a Stanford offensive 
coordinator, I want to get hit in the first five plays of a game because I feel like I'm into the game. <laughs> you know, that's why you love Andrew Luck as a football player. That's why it, yeah, you know, part of why he's probably retired at the age that he is. And having said that, that Colts offensive line in 2012 was, you know, Mike McGlynn, Samson Satelle, Seth Olson, Winston Justice. I mean, you know, I don't know if I'd let them, you know, be Rosie's bodyguard walking into St. Luke daycare. Like, it's, you know, it's, geez. So, this whole Chiefs thing really bothers me. You know, the Chiefs' offensive failure, it was one game without their two starting tackles. That is going to happen to anybody in the NFL without their starting tackles. And, like, let's not think for one second the Chiefs did not invest in their starting tackles. Eric Fisher, the number one overall pick. The year before, Mitchell Schwartz, second-round pick, and he's been an Mm all-pro. Like, it's not like the Chiefs have got undrafted you and undrafted me starting at offensive tackle here. Like, unfortunately, injuries arose. Depth at offensive tackle clearly is an issue. So... Yeah, let's not. I, I know that's kind of the quick hot take. What's the Super Bowl takeaway you have? To me, I think a big Super Bowl takeaway is you need some good edge rushers. Those help out as well. And the Chiefs' stubbornness in not helping those tackles, I thought, was a big issue in right. the game as well. Um, but I, I, I do disagree with the let's not fall into the rookie quarterback destroyed. Nelson, Kelly, Glowinski, Smith should make you sleep a whole lot better than the aforementioned offensive line I I rolled out there in 2012. Yeah. This next one comes from Patrick. Which which of the possible free agent wideouts would you want the Colts to approach while still being financially fiscal enough to address cornerback, edge rusher, and even left tackle if we don't address that in the draft? I like that phrase, financially fiscal. I do. I think that's something that Ballard is a big fan of. And the second-tier wideouts, I asked Stephen Holder today when we had him on, is there a position Chris Ballard thinks less of than wide receiver? That's not some major knock. I don't want to – but I just think that's kind of his philosophy, and I think it's true, and Stephen, I think, agreed with me. Um, So, you know, second-tier wideouts, Chris. Corey Davis. You know, we've seen the Colts, you know, kind of – Yeah. Let's see if we can get that first-round talent to get back there. I've mentioned the name Josh Reynolds before from the Rams – you know, Will Fuller, I don't know. Injuries kind of worry me. But that seems to be, those are the second-tier guys of a not Kenny Galladay, not Juju, not Allen Robinson. So, you know, those are some names. I, I would be good with Robinson just because I'm I'm okay with paying. But, again, I know that that's not really how Ballard looks at it. Um, so, yeah, I would say as, as far as wideouts, those would be a couple names, Patrick, that I would think of. I, I'd have to look at the list a little bit more deep with that. And then, of course – you know, what you do with Hilton is going to have a domino effect on that. All right, another question. I believe this is a different Patrick. Um, says, I don't see Ballard putting the team in position to win a Super Bowl next year, potentially ever. Jeez. Buffalo and Kansas City are going to be good for a long time, and we will never be able to win those kind of big games, regardless who he goes with at quarterback. This seems like more of an arms race than I've ever seen. I feel like it's even, even if they replace the missing pieces they just won't have enough talent to stop Kansas City or Buffalo literally for years. Let me ask you this. When do you think the Colts will win a Super Bowl? Boy, Patrick ain't holding back there, no. Chris. Is he snowed in? That's, <laughs> that's some fire and brimstone right there. When do you think the Colts will win a Super Bowl? Patrick, 
Futures bet, baby. You know, if I knew that, man, I would not be in the studio right now wearing a winter hat that my brother <laughs> used to wear 30-some years ago. All caps, half the head on QB. Like, right. if you do that, you're going to be in, in, in that breath. I, I honestly believe that. I think it's just absurd to say that Chris Ballard is not going to be able to get that done. And uh, Yes, are there answers that need to be found? Certainly, without a doubt. You know, Kansas City and Buffalo, they've got to continue to make sure this run lasts a long time as well. They're in good position, better position than the Colts right now. Right. But the Colts can get into that position. It's not going to be easy, but they, they, they can get into it. So, Patrick, I'm not, um, you know, potentially ever. Yeah, next year, no, I, I don't think the Colts are winning the Super Bowl, but I do think they can they can get, get there while also acknowledging it's going to take a lot of work. Yeah, and, and I've mentioned it before. I have a friend up in Buffalo who texted me yesterday, and he said, I feel like the Colts are in the same position we were before we drafted Josh Allen. Yeah, I think it's fair. So if you get your quarterback, you're we're in the arms race. Right. Like we're back in it too. And you're in it, and then and then you tweak. You know, Buffalo, they make a huge move for Stephon Diggs. You know, then it's okay. Now you got to figure out. All right, what exactly do we need to look like to get over that next hurdle? And Buffalo still feels mm-hmm. that way. Obviously, after falling short. This next one's from Dad Talks, who appreciates everything that you do for the podcast because he really enjoys it a lot. Thank you. Appreciate that. He said he does feel like every time a trade about Darius Leonard comes up, though, we're always trading him or at least 90% of the time. Are you more a fan of Leonard or having a player that we have no clue will perform at his level? Just curious. Again, thanks for the content. Well, Chris, let me start here. I don't. I can't say we've gotten too many Darius Leonard trade uh, debate questions. I feel like the only ones I've ever heard of on the pod is like you're trading him for the first or second overall pick, and I yeah I guess I'm fine with with, with doing that. Uh, let me make it abundantly clear: Darius Leonard is a Hall of Famer. Like I don't want to mince words at all. Um, he also plays linebacker, and that's the reality. And I just don't view and I trust Chris Ballard's drafting of linebackers as well. That plays into some of it. When you're asking me, <laughs> you know, would you trade Darius Leonard for the number one or number two overall pick? Yeah, I'm probably going to do that. I don't know if that comes out of – I'm saying that 90% of the time. No, I think that's an outlandish statement, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it comes down to this. Generational quarterback or generational linebacker? I'll take the risk. I, I, I'll, I'll take the risk and try and find that quarterback. So that's how I look at it. Well, you said we don't get a lot of these questions. We got one from Colton. Oh, gosh. <laughs> About Leonard? Yep, says it would never happen. But would you trade Nelson and Leonard for Mahomes? <laughs> so would you trade your generational guard and linebacker for a generational quarterback? Um, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I would do that. I would Ninety-five percent yeah, yeah. of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, boy, start it up. Um, yeah, I would do it, and I would do it very quickly, and I wouldn't even think whatever about it. Yeah. I, guys, it's Patrick Mahomes. It's quarterback. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like. Quint Nelson and Darius Leonard are great, great football players, Hall of Famers. It's also a left guard and a will linebacker. Like, you know, you hate to say, can anyone name Tampa Bay's left guard in the Super Bowl? You know, (laughs) we can all name the quarterback. It's just that position to me, it matters. And I say it matters in, like, the boldest neon you're bowling at whatever it's called when they turn off the lights. Yep. Uh, disco bowling or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. Hell yes. 
All right, hypothetical coming to you from Tom. By the way, Chris, remember when we were talking last week about that Paris Campbell route against the Colts cornerback? I couldn't think of his name. Yep. Our guy, 1924, mentioned uh, Jalen Collins. Okay. Remember that name? I do not. Former Falcon, starting the Super Bowl. He came here, everyone thought he'd do something, and instead he just got burned in training camp a lot. Well. Wanted to slide that in there. No, appreciate it, because you asked. You said someone tweet, tweet yep. at me. All right, hypothetical from Tom. You get 10 minutes one-on-one interview with a truth serum injection to Chris Ballard. Oh, boy. What's your very first question? And then I'll, I'll mention the second after after you answer that part. Okay, so I'm with Ballard? Yep. It's probably obvious, but how effing mad are you at Andrew Luck? Mm-hmm. Yep. And more just like how did all that play out? Walk me through it. Walk me through your disbelief. Any inkling. What do you think when you went to the Netherlands? What do you think? And this is before you got here that he pushed off surgery for a year. You know, do you think the snowboarding thing, like all that stuff, like that's what I'd want the true serum for. Um, yeah, I don't think there's like heavily debated. I am a sucker for like all the draft stuff. Like, you know, I know it's. Was there ever thought, you know, if Montez Sweat checks out medically, do you take him and not trade back for Rocky Yassine? Did you ever think about standing pat at 13 and maybe trading up instead of trading that for DeForest Buckner? Like, all that stuff I mm-hmm. think would be fascinating as well. But, yeah, sorry to cop out, but it'd probably be luck. All right, so Ballard leaves the room. Now it's Frank Wright. What are you asking him? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> it'd probably be pretty similar. M- maybe the Vinatieri thing. Mm-hmm. You know, do you regret it? Why'd you do it? Do you ever really think about benching him? Those sorts of thoughts. You know, similar to like Bowd at the draft, you obviously think about Reich and play calls a whole lot. You know, it's fascinating to think how one play call can totally change a game, a season, a lifetime, a, a legacy, all of that. So, yeah, that would be there. All right. And then last one Jimmy with the Colts. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to ask, Mr. Ursay? Jimmy made us in the sales, or are we yeah. going in Jimmy Ursay? Um, man. I do think the whole move to Indianapolis is pretty, pretty yeah. wild. Yeah. I have heard some pretty crazy behind-the-scenes stories about that, and so I, I do think that'd be fun to get him on the record about. You know, I guess it all revolves around this, but, you know, Peyton the Luck, that dilemma, how serious was that if – it's 2011, and it's Cam Newton number one overall. If it's 2013, and it's Eric Fisher number one overall, does that change your mind at all? I think those would be some some, some questions there. I, I'd have to think of that. Ursay is a lot more. I mean, how close were you to moving a franchise, if ever, non-1984 division? You know, mm-hmm. with other points of, you know, did you ever think about moving it? So, boy, Tom, that's a good one. Man. Yeah, makes you think. Yeah, true serum would be important. <laughs> This question comes from Tanner. What percentage would you put on actually drafting at 21 overall? Says, I just feel like we're either going to shop that pick for a player or move up. Is that the vibe you're getting? Vibe too early, Tanner, on that. Board has to fall, really, I think, on draft night. You rarely see teams move before the draft. You know, that doesn't happen too often. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, right before free agency, but... Percentage I put the the Colts actually drafting 21 overall, let's go uh, 56%. 56 percent i'd be curious i don't know probably only degenerates would know that if you could bet on that right now 
This one's from Shav. Do you think Eason will have an effect on where the Colts draft a quarterback if they do draft one? If they don't think anything of Eason, they could pick a quarterback in the first round. But if they think he has some promise, then a left tackle could be picked with a first pick and then a quarterback some rounds after that. I know free agency is another option for both positions, but like you said, it's a Band-Aid move. Thank you, and I hope the 2021 is off to a good start for the Bowens and Chris. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, 2021, off to a pretty pretty solid start. No things, no r- real complaints. Um, and plus, if I bitched and moan, you guys would probably be like, <laughs> this podcast sucks and stop listening. Um, Eason impact on a first-round pick? Mm-hmm. Zero. Zero impact whatsoever. I also believe this, Chris. I think once you get past the first round, some people you know, asked me about some of the other quarterbacks in this draft, Kellen Mond, Kyle Trask, um, homeboy from Stanford, name escapes me right now, Mills, I think, or something like that. I almost think it's a waste. Like, you did draft Eason for a reason. So I think when you get past the first round, you get past the first five or six quarterbacks, didn't you already draft? Like the seventh best quarterback last year, uh, hell, Eason was probably better than that. Like the fifth or sixth best quarterback, I don't need to draft the seventh or eighth in this draft class, even though it is a, a better QB class. I still think that um, if I'm going to make a quarterback move, it's got to be early. And, and I don't want to sit here and be like, you know, sometimes the board, and I do say in recent years, it's it's gone this way where you have to get to like the top five to get the quarterback. I'll also sit here and say this, Chris. You know, Watson, Mahomes, they weren't the first quarterback taken in their mm-hmm. draft. Josh Allen, he was the third quarterback. Lamar Jackson, he wasn't top three or four uh, last year. You know, even Herbert. So, I don't want to act like you got to get to one overall. You got to get to two overall. Yeah, sometimes you got to get high just because that's how the trade-ups happen. But I also sit here and just be like, unless I'm getting one of those top three or four QBs in this draft class, I don't think I need to get the sixth or seventh guy, yeah. because I do want to develop Eason to a degree there. But I also say that with the caveat of Jacob Eason was drafted 122 overall. 31 teams passed on him multiple times for three rounds, and he never put on his jersey last season. So I don't look at that as like that all of a sudden lessens quarterback need or anything like that. I think it lessens it for me once you get past the premium level of that position. Kevin, John wants to know if you've heard any buzz about bringing Trey Burton back this offseason. If we let him walk, do you think a Jonu Smith is a reasonable free agent target given Frank's scheme of frequently calls for two tight ends? Says it seems to me like we need more help in the red zone than help getting to the red zone. Yeah, I do like the name Jonu Smith, uh, John. Thank you for that question. I could see Trey Burton back. I do think Ballard appreciated his time here a little bit more. He was skeptical injury-wise of Trey Burton. Um, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more out of Burton. I thought at times, pretty good. Other times, ugh, you know, oh, yeah, the guy is 30. He has battled some injuries. Um, we got free agency watch articles up on the website. We started them, I think it was last week, maybe two weeks ago. We're going to have them, all of them. There's, mm-hmm. I don't know, 14, 15 of them this year, and we'll, we'll, we'll continue to have them. So check that out. There's an article up on Burton on the side specifically for him. I probably like drafting the tight end a little bit more, Chris. But John o. Smith is is still young, and I do feel like he's had some nice moments in the league. All right, this question comes from Will, and it's a, it's a multi-part question, so get ready for this. Strap okay. in. 
Because Ballard's calling you, and he wants to know what you're doing at quarterback. Okay, Kevin. wow. Number one, Wentz, variability in what you would give up and trade, big cap hit. Two, variability in trade, $9 million hit to the cap. Could deny a fifth-year option, move on, or franchise tag in 2022. Three. Wait, wait, wait. So, so these are all options? Yes. Okay, so you got Carson Wentz, you said one. Wentz, two, you got... Two, Darnold. Okay. Three, trade up for Fields. Four, trade up for Wilson. Five, trade up for Lance. Six, hello, Jacob Eason. Seven, go with a less mobile guy in Max Jones or Trask later in the first round or second round pick. Jacoby, and never mind. <laughs> so he wants me to rank those? Yep. Or which one would you do? Yeah. Well, um, wow, that's a fascinating question. Thank you, Will. That's tremendous. I am very curious how high those trade-ups would be for some of those guys. I'd go Fields 1, Wilson 2. I'd probably put Wentz 3. Okay. I am a believer Frank Wright can get that figured out to a degree. To a degree. Trey Lance would be very close on the heels of that as well. That move would be four. Let's go Eason next at five. Sam Darnold, six. And, uh, yeah, the less mobile guys would be pretty far down the list. The little Darnold thing. I don't know how much we've talked about Darnold, Chris. That dude's been pretty bad. Yeah, I was going to say, what's there to really talk about? (laughs) I don't know. I feel like... People talk about it, and I I think people talk about it more for Will saying the trade aspect. You aren't giving up the Wentz thing. It is the rookie contract. You do have the fifth-year team option. Fine and well. Sam Darnold has never played one meaningful game in the NFL past Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Like, the Jets have been effing terrible. Terrible. Charles Barkley inserted. Like, what? what? (laughs) The dude sees ghosts on Monday Night Football. What the hell is he going to see when his team's down seven in the first round of the playoffs and they're on the road and the crowd's roaring on third down? Right. I'm sorry. It's just I mean, he's been a bottom five quarterback for a large chunk of his NFL career. And, yes, has there been dysfunction around him? Yeah. But, man, that's a whole lot of skepticism there. Sure, you're not giving up a whole lot, but – if you're trading for him, you're committing to him as your starter for some time, I would think. But, yeah, man, I don't know. And, again, that's probably some of my bias watching Darnold in college a little bit. Still, I just think that that dude's been really, really bad. Yeah. Like, to me, it's, yeah, you can compare Wentz and Darnold because it's a trade package, but you can't compare them on the field. And, Darn- and Wentz looked broken last year, but when he's been put together, he's looked a far better than homeboy Sammy. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm way off of that, but those are my thoughts. No, because I think if he's like an 8-8 eight and eight or a little higher than 500 quarterback, you're talking about most improved player, comeback player of the year type worthy. Yeah, and it just worries me about, like, how much are you getting down in games? How much are you getting down record-wise? And you're just kind of backdooring your way into some stats. Like, his stats aren't horrific, horrific. But, man, team success and... Him being a big part of that, Oof. I haven't seen it. Hey, he did have that great game against the Colts his rookie year. This is true. Okay, four more here for the podcast. This one's from Trevor. The Buckner trade seems successful thus far. Do you think Ballard would consider trading our first-round pick again 
or a player at the premium position such as left tackle or wide receiver? Well, let's start there. Premium position, left tackle. Yes, premium position, wide receiver. Not in Chris Ballard's eyes. I don't think that. Um, the only thing I worry about there, Trevor, is just the contractual stuff. Again, another year, not a first-round pick, not having that favorable rookie deal for one of your supposedly better players, things like that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you definitely pondered the idea. Edge rusher, i throw in there. I do think that's more premium mm-hmm. than wide receiver. But, ultimately, I, I don't think it gets done. This one's from Isaac. Although the loss to the Bills hurt, as we heard Naheem Hines saying he still thinks about it daily, yeah. the rookies got really good experience and looked pretty dang good against a legit defense and offense. Who was your biggest surprise? On limited snaps, Isaiah Rogers looked good to him. Also, just want to thank you for all the work and all the such interactive podcasts that you have that entertains him through work, especially with COVID. Your Colts content is top of the line. Wow, I appreciate that, Isaac. That really means a lot. And um, I will say, I think I speak for Chris and I, it's been fun during this year just to bring you this sort of content because it is a break of so much of the reality unfortunately that we're currently living in yeah I would say rookie surprise Isaiah Rogers you know I liked I'd have to go back and you know recap maybe some of the draft pick film that I watched back over the spring and summer but I really liked Isaiah Rogers I saw some Kenny Moore competitive nature small school um, that ball comes and you want that ball yeah he's got a little dog to him I could see him being a great kind of defender point guard Oh, yeah. On on the basketball floor. Obviously, the speed we saw speaks for itself. Uh, but, yeah, I'd say Isaiah Rogers. You know, there's not a lot of rookies you under the radar because, you know, outside of the big three, none of them really played a whole lot. So, um, But, yeah, Rogers is a name that I'm definitely watching come, uh, come spring and camp. Kevin, Gary needs you to be his therapist. Oh, gosh. And tell him that we're bringing T.Y. Hilton back next season. <laughs> Also, share with him a favorite T.Y. Hilton moment. Obvious choices for him, the mask at Houston, or check that, all the games at Houston. <laughs> Love the Rockabye Baby celebration as well. And any insight to what he's like on a personal level? I forgot about the Rockabye Baby. That was yeah. the baby was born mm-hmm. that, that, that morning, right? Yep. Um, Early, I, like he, I don't even think he slept. He just went right, right, to, the, right. right to the field. Yeah, helped the year playing Jacksonville at home, but yeah. Uh, Gary, I guess... Uh, I don't have a therapy background by any means, <laughs> all as much as my wife probably wishes I did. Yes, I could see T.Y. come back. Yeah, I think it's definitely a possibility. You know, no slam dunk, but, you know, I put him as a guy that could definitely come back. So that's where we're at there. My favorite T.Y. moment, yeah, obviously the clown mask. <laughs> okay, a couple stand out to me. Kansas City playoff game. I don't know. I think that play is the iconic play of him just getting behind the defense. Right. What a strike by luck. And really, that comeback was complete at that point. You need one more stop defensively. I'm trying to think of who that corner was in coverage. I think it was like Jacob Lacey or – no, not Jacob Lacey. It was um, Josh Gordy or some random corner in coverage on that fourth down to ice it. But um, obviously that one will be on any highlight reel, any tribute video. I think to – um. There's a couple others specifically in in Houston, as you mentioned. Thursday nighter when they won with Hasselbeck at quarterback. Third down, I think after the two-minute warning, Colts are backed up. Hasselbeck wants to take a chance. He trusts T.Y. And that's just the fun part about, like, other quarterbacks not named Luck having that faith in Mm T.Y. 
down the sideline, anti-Chuck Pagano type of play call, boom, you hit it, the game's over. T.Y., you know, chirping to his own bench about, like, <laughs> here I do it again. And then the other game, this was either the 2018 regular season game, Chris, in Houston, which you needed to kind of get in the postseason, you felt like, or the playoff game. I forget which one it was, also in Houston. That would have been the Clown Mouse game, I guess. I think it was regular season one. Where Luck and Hilton, you close that game by throwing it. And Frank Reich loves doing that. But it was a, here's our Mariano Rivera connection. Let's go. I know that it says run the clock and blah, 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 this and that. No, no, no. We're going to win this game by throwing the football because those are our best players. Mm -hmm. Players over plays. And Hilton did that. And so those are a couple that stand out to me. I'm sure I'm forgetting some games. He ran away from the Verrett. Uh, guy here at Lucas Oil for the game winner against the Chargers. Um, the Browns two-point conversion. I think a shoe fell off, <laughs> and he caught one there. So those are all. As far as his personal level, I, I his laugh is one of the more contagious laughs you'll ever hear. It's funny. You always know when he's in the locker room. It's just that cackle that he brings, and those wideouts really make him laugh, and, and they all have over the years. Chester Rogers, Moncrief to – even the present-day guys. Um, he was pretty stoic in interviews. He doesn't give you a whole lot. But, again, I I, I do think he loved, he just there is a love for the game yes. that he certainly has. And I've never ran into him in public, but it sounds like people that have. I know his son you know, plays various sports around here locally. They say he is just a great dad to watch, yeah. interact, cheer, all those things. So, T.Y. is he's a good one. He's a, And that – matters Gary and all of this you know playing out and whatnot yeah the only time I've been around him personally is he runs a or did run um a youth football camp yeah at, at um was it LN or something at, at North Central I think maybe okay. um it was either LN or North Central anyway there's a lot of people basketball wise football wise that run camps and yeah. might just show up right they're just there because their name's on it they're yeah. getting a fee TY's out there throwing passes catching touchdowns he was living it up like a kid. Like, he loves football. He loves the interaction, and it was so cool to see a professional athlete at his caliber because at the time, this is when he was really shooting up in, in his prime. How many people can say, I was throwing to the number one receiver yeah. for the Colts when they were winning 11 games right. a year? Leading the league in receiving right. in, in 2016. You know, Chris, I think there's real – every franchise wants this. It's difficult to achieve. But I think there's a real work ethic. You know, Peyton touched on this during his Hall of Fame stuff a few weeks ago. Marvin's work ethic leading to Reggie's work ethic leading to T.Y. Yes, there's an element that all of them internally had to have some of that. But I do think there is a respect that all three of them had for the one above them. And it's real. And, I mean, I see it every day in practice. T.Y. You know, has probably never taken a special team snap in his life. I'm talking covering kicks. Yeah here in the NFL, but that dude's out there during special teams drills, working, just working, and subtle stuff. I mean, like, by himself, running routes against air, not catching balls necessarily, but just, you know, working out on his break, working on a how do I make things deceptively look like the same routes. And um, if this is it for T.Y., we'll, we'll appreciate him on a podcast because he deserves that. Yeah. Last question comes from Drew. Do you ever get tired of Colts Twitter? All of these wild theories about different quarterbacks and people asking you about them, and ironically, people asking you if you're tired of seeing them. Some <laughs> of this stuff is just insane. Never. 
Never, never. Seriously, never. I, I, you guys have heard me use this phrase. Embrace fandom. Yep. Embrace it, baby. I love it. Like, yeah, it's just um, I absolutely love it. I'm, I'm psycho. I'm crazy. You know, my brother-in-law texted me last night, Tiger 2013 Players' Championships on the Golf Channel. Like, I'm a loser. <laughs> I want to watch that. Like, yeah, that's me. I love Tiger. Like, so I I, um, I can't get enough of it, to be honest with you. And I've told this before, and I tell this to, you know, students that I've talked to at classes or, you know, teaching a class at IU or whatnot. I look at, like, every follower on Twitter, Chris, every person that listens to this podcast, every person that clicks on the website. I might not know you directly, but in a way, like, without you, I don't have a job. We don't have a job. Mm-hmm. Like, And that, I mean that. So um, that's why we're so I- interactive because I, I do want you to feel like you have a say in it, that you can, you know, you'll play a part in this as well. But I love passionate people. I love fans. I love rowdy environments, big atmospheres. That's why we love sports. Yeah. It's unscripted. It's stuff that you just, I don't know, makes your body feel some stuff that maybe you don't feel on a normal 9-to-5 basis. So, And even if this wasn't your job, Kevin, you would have a Colts podcast. Yeah. I th- I mean, you love sports enough yeah, that even if, even if you weren't getting paid to talk no. about the Colts, you would still like to talk about the Colts. I like talk and certainly listen. I mean, yeah. I listen to so many various uh-huh. podcasts as well golf notre dame obviously other podcasts about football and whatnot yeah i mean I, you are probably right i mean i hell before i worked at this radio station i would call into this radio station like that is just me can't can't get enough of it I, I i will say this drew i do find it interesting when people dm me like have you heard this what, what, what do you think we'll get it? like if i think if i know and if i'm gonna publicly say it i'm gonna say it on this podcast i'm gonna tweet it I'm going to write it in a story. It is one of those things where it's like, folks, I'm not probably going to tell you something that someone has told me to say off the record. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it's if I'm going to say it and I'm allowed to say it, it'll come one of we have various platforms here 1075 The Fan and articles, Cable and 1070 Twitter, YouTube, podcasts, the whole shebang. So embrace fandom, people. It's glorious. Speaking of fandom, we're going to tease it again, and, and you can touch on this if you want. Coming up in Canton, obviously Peyton Manning was inducted. Congratulations to him. Yes, sir. There will be a contest. We're working with Canton, Ohio right now. There will be a contest on 1075thefan.com here in the coming weeks. I will announce it on the podcast when it is live, where you can go, sign up. We're getting a four-pack of tickets. Stay, travel over to Canton. It's going to be about a $7,000 value. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. We're looking to have hopefully meet and greets, send you over there. I mean, we're asking for a lot, but they're probably going to give us a lot. And so it's going to be a very nice package. I'll tell you when tickets go on sale, I believe March 5th. Um, and and might, this is what, first week of August, right? Yes, August, I want to say 8th. Yeah. I think 5th through 8th. Um, so there will be some more details once we get it up on the website. I'm just teasing it right now. Not everything has been solidified. But we are very, very close to having that all finished and finalized, and it's going to be going to be awesome. And hopefully, on this podcast, we can have either Edge or Peyton Ooh. for an interview. And that's the thing, man. It's a two for oneer. You, know, mm-hmm. you got Edge and Peyton going in. I was fortunate enough a few years ago, Chris, to go to Canton for the Marvin Harrison Tony Dungy um, year. And first off, you know, Canton is in town. I'm probably not going to. Uh, 
you know, 11 months out of the year. But to see it that weekend, yeah. special. Mm-hmm. I, I've never been to Cooperstown, Springfield, Mass. But, like, I, I, I hear that from people that have been to those places. Just what the towns uh, do for the Hall of Fames and certainly on those weekends. You know, there's a parade. There's a gold jacket ceremony inside the Canton Civic Center, which I believe is just right there downtown. Um, and it's fun. I mean, there's just, like, some street parties and just yep. – you know, you're going to have people there from other teams, obviously, going to support their Hall of Famers as well. Um, so a really, really fun weekend, obviously, being in the stadium, hearing those speeches. That will be incredible as well. But that's a awesome, awesome package. The drive isn't too bad for those here locally. I want to say it's five hours, nothing too bad at all. And obviously, you know, hopefully we'll get people coming in from all over that will think about that. So uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll definitely keep you posted on the, uh, yep. on the details and whatnot. Uh, anything else, man? No, that just about does it. Thank you to Naeem Hines. Appreciate that. Hope you guys like that interview as well. Uh, we are less than a month away from free agency. We'll continue to break that down as we get closer. I know a lot of people have asked me about, okay, when are we going to get in the nitty-gritty of the draft? When are we going to get in the nitty-gritty of some prospects? I'm hoping to have a couple guests on as well, draft-related. Probably wait on that a little bit till after free agency. You know, we still got time, late March, early April. I still want to do some homework on that before we um, – certainly get much, much deeper into that. So everybody stay safe. Have a great weekend. We'll be back next week on Kevin's Corner.